God, we praise you for Easter Sunday. We, we thank you, oh God, for the reminder of your matchless power. God, your matchless power that you demonstrated in raising Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, we owe everything to you. You are King, you are Lord, you are on the throne with all power and all authority. Lord, I pray as we think and um, Lord, talk about the, the resurrection of Jesus, that you would help us not just to believe this, not just to celebrate this today, but every day of our lives. Lord, that we would so believe it so deeply that it would change how we live for the rest of our lives. So come and help us, we pray uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Almost every spring, uh, my wife and I, we like to do a little bit of a spring cleaning around our house. We start with uh, the outside of our house and look to see what needs some attention, what needs some cleaning. And then of course we go onto the inside of the house and we look to see what needs some organizing and some cleaning. And inevitably, almost every year, uh, my closet needs some attention. I'm not a messy person by nature, but, uh, but things just kind of tend to pile up in there. And so a couple of years ago, uh, my loving wife, my serving wife came to me and said, hey, honey, I, I think I, I need to clean your closet a little bit. I need to do some, some organization. Do you mind if I do that? And this was a couple years ago. So husbands, I, I didn't know at the time that the word uh, organize was code for she wants to do whatever she wants to do in that space. And so I said, sure, honey, that would be a great help. You can go in there and, and clean up my closet. That would be awesome. And, uh, and so I got home from work and uh, I saw Lindsay. I said, hey, how was your day today? And she said, oh, it went really well. You know, I spent a lot of time uh, in your closet organizing it. And I said, oh, and I got a little bit nervous here because my closet should have only taken about 15 to 20 minutes. And, and I said, okay, like, let me check this out. I go in there and it's, it's incredible. I mean, it is organized, things are picked up. Like it looks really, really good. Well, the next day I'm getting ready to go work out and I can't find my workout t-shirts anywhere, right? I'm like thinking, man, where, where are my t-shirts? Okay, Lindsay organized it, let me go ask her. So I asked her, I was like, hey, you were in my closet. Did you see my workout t-shirts? They're my favorite t-shirts. They're so comfortable. And, and she says, oh yeah, I, I threw those away. I pitched them. I said, what? Like, why would you, those are my favorite. I've had those for 15 years. Like they're so comfortable. And she said, exactly. They're gross. They had holes in them. They were falling apart. So I threw them away. And I said, honey, I, I just wanted you to organize my closet, not, not just to throw things out however you saw fit. And she said, well, you gave me permission to organize your closet. So that's exactly what I did. And I said, yeah, but I didn't give you full access to my closet to do whatever you wanted to do. And so then it led into this very healthy marital discussion uh, the rest of the evening. But I share that with you this morning because I think that so often we tend to relate to God in the same way. That if your life, if your heart is like a closet, then I wonder this morning if you have things in your closet that need not only to be organized, but they need to be completely thrown out. I wonder if there are even people here today or listening online where where your life, your closet, you're looking at it and you would say to yourself, I need a brand new closet today. And so my question for you today on Easter Sunday morning is this, does God not only have permission 
to organize your life, to make it look a little bit better on the outside. But does God have full access to every area of your life to do whatever he sees fits? See, I know it's Easter Sunday. I know we wanna come in here and we wanna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because it is the most important moment in history. But I think it's very easy to walk on in here into this room and just wants a religious spiritual experience. I think if I could just call a spade a spade this morning, there might be some in here today where you just want God to maybe clean up your life a little bit on the outside to kind of organize it, but you do not want to give him full access to your life today. And my challenge before you this morning, my question for you is not, does God have permission to organize your life, to make the appearance of your life better, but does he have full access to every area, every arena to do whatever he desires, including throwing things out that need to be thrown out? And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if I wanna give God full access to my life today. I've got some things in my life that I'm ashamed of. I've got some things in my life. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. I don't even know if God wants access to those areas of my life. And look, the reality is, is that all of us have done things that we're not proud of. All of us have things in areas of our lives that that we're ashamed of. All of us have pieces to our story that we would love to reverse. We have areas of our lives, things that we've done that we'd love to just go back in our story and change. And this morning, I've got great news for us today. On Easter Sunday, I want to show us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how that is possible, how God can make you new today, how God can take all of the bad things that you've done in your life, all of the the sinful things that you have done in your life and how God through the resurrection of Jesus can reverse your story, can forgive you, can give you grace and mercy and make you new. Now it's gonna demand that you give him full access to your life today and in this moment. The passage that we're gonna look at this morning is John chapter 19. We're gonna be starting in verses 40 and go all the way through chapter 20, verse 18. And this morning, I wanna look at this encounter that Mary Magdalene had with the risen savior, Jesus Christ, that involved a garden and it involved a grave. Word of God reads this way, starting in verse 40. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. 
Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must first rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two uh, angels in white. They were sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, and Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord trying to picture this scene for a moment, because this happened 2,000 years ago, we need to try to put ourselves in the shoes of Mary. If you can imagine how John is describing what happened here, the first thing that kind of pops out is that Mary is on her way to the tomb of Jesus, and it's dark. There are no lights. She is really surrounded by darkness as she's moving through and getting closer and closer to the tomb where Jesus was laid. And you can imagine being Mary in this moment. You can imagine some of the thoughts and some of the questions that were running through her mind at this point in time. She was probably asking herself a series of if only questions. She was probably asking herself the question, if only G Judas did not betray G Jesus, things would have been different. If only Jesus and the disciples found a better hiding spot, things would be different. If only Jesus did not come here to Jerusalem at this time of trouble, things would be different. If only, if only, if only. Some of these questions probably running through the mind of Mary as she's approaching the tomb of Jesus. And Mary was probably trying to do in her mind what all of us try to do at one point or another. We want to try to reverse the past to go backward in the story and change some things. Most of us in this room, we have parts of our stories that we would love to go back and undo. Maybe some of those things that just happened in a split second or maybe just a minute off the clock, you would love to go back and to reverse that part of your story. 
Maybe some of you are thinking in this moment of time, if only I didn't have that last drink of alcohol, things would be different. If only I didn't go to that hotel room with that certain person, things would be different. If only I didn't look at that certain kind of website, things would be different. If only I didn't say those hurtful words to that person, things would be different. See, just about every single one of us, we have something in our lives that we would love to reverse. And if you don't, you will one day that we would love to go backward in our story to reverse the past, to undo some things because your story and my story is part of a larger story telling us why things around us just aren't right. See, what's happening in this scene in the garden is that Mary thinks that she is facing a personal crisis. She thinks that she just so happens to stumble upon the empty tomb of Jesus by chance. She looks in there and, and doesn't see Jesus's body there and she is mortified and she is beside herself. But what she is really encountering in this scene is that God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only reversing her story, but God is reversing the story of the entire universe right here in this moment with the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That this is a moment that would change the course of history forever. This is the great reversal of God. And in this scene, I wanna point out three great reversals that take place in this garden because of the resurrection of Jesus. Here's the first one that we see is that God reverses the curse of sin. I want you to try to again, visualize this scene and put yourself in the shoes of Mary. She goes to this garden and the text describes this as also a place that's like a graveyard. Verse 41 talks about the tomb of Jesus was there where they laid him in this garden. And she walks in there and at, <clears throat> excuse me, and at first she thinks that the body of Jesus was stolen that the text tells us that she sees that the tomb was empty. The stone was actually rolled away. And she then runs and she tells the other disciples and they come and they also check things out. But the disciples, they go back to their own homes. But notice in verse 11 of chapter 20, Mary is weeping outside the tomb there in the garden. Mary, again, is, is thinking about wanting just to reverse the story. She's absolutely brokenhearted. And then all of a sudden, these angels show up out of nowhere. All right, again, try to put yourself in her shoes. Jesus Christ was just crucified. Jesus, the, the hope of the world, just died on a cross as a criminal. He, he is then laid in this tomb. Mary comes and his body is gone. And then all of a sudden these angels show up out of nowhere. This is a bizarre experience. This is something that Mary did not anticipate. And then the, the angels ask her, woman, why are you weeping? All right, again, at this point, we, we have to take a step back and try to visualize what's going on here. We have a woman, we have a garden, and we have these angels. That should remind you of a different kind of garden in the Bible, the garden in Genesis, the garden of Eden, 
where there was a woman there named Eve. There was a garden. And eventually there would be some angels. And in that scene there, we have Adam and Eve who take fruit from the forbidden tree, the tree that God commanded them not to take from. They disobey God. They fall into the serpent, into Satan's temptation. And at that moment, the curse of sin had entered the world. At the curse of sin, God pronounced in Genesis 3 in that garden that upon humanity, upon the universe came with condemnation, it came with separation, and it came with death. That this curse of sin is something that each and every one of us experiences because we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And yet what is unbelievable, what is so hard to even fathom is that Jesus Christ took the curse of sin and death upon himself on that cross as he died in the place of sinners. In fact, Galatians chapter three, verse 13 describes it this way. It says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That Paul is referring to the cross. And so this, this stunning and mind-blowing reality of why we celebrate Easter and, and why this is such an important weekend for followers of Jesus is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took the entire curse of sin and the curse of death upon himself as he died in the place of sinners. That Jesus died the death of a criminal, that he was tortured. He went through horrific pain and suffering that he drowned in his own blood as he suffocated to death. And this son of God, this king of the universe, the innocent, the righteous one, went through all of that so that the totality of the curse of sin would be no more, so that you and I could be freed from sin once and for all. 2,000 years ago, they take Jesus's dead body off that cross. Again, trying to visualize what he went through and the suffering that he endured, his body covered in blood, swollen, blue and purple. And they taking Jesus's dead body was evidence of him going through and absorbing the curse of sin and the curse of death upon himself. And look, that is, that is exactly what Mary was anticipating to find in that tomb, Jesus's body in that kind of condition, that the dead corpse of Jesus would signify that the curse of sin and death had won. There are even these spices there and the balming ointment to maybe preserve Jesus's body just a little bit longer. But as she approaches the tomb, Jesus is not there that Mary does not find the effects of the curse of sin from the first garden. But in this garden, God is doing something new. God is doing something powerful. God is doing something earth shattering in raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus is reversing the curse of sin. That Jesus took on the curse of sin and death so that you and I would not have to. 
And this moment in the garden, this is a statement that Jesus and God is making here that the chains of sin are broken and he's setting the prisoners free. God reverses the curse of sin. But not only that, what else, another thing that we see in this garden and this empty tomb is that God is reversing the separation that existed between sinful humanity and a holy God. Again, what we have here in verse 11 is that Mary is weeping. She's outside the grave of Jesus. She's outside in this garden. And again, she's interacting with these angels. And this should remind us of that garden in Genesis, the garden of Eden, where after Adam and Eve sinned and, and sinned and entered into the world, God casted them out of his presence. God sent them outside of the garden of Eden. He stationed these two angels with swords to keep them from coming back in. And, and that's important to remember because one of the effects of sin is separation between us and God. There is now a barrier, there is now a distance that exists between sinful humanity and a holy God. But I love this moment in the garden. I love this scene because as Mary is interacting with these angels, she's not casted out from God's presence. She's ushered into God's presence. Mary, as she's interacting with these angels, she turns in this garden and she finds this stranger there in the garden. And at first, she thought this was just a human gardener, someone who was just tending to the plants and the vegetables. But what she would later realize is that that was not the human gardener, that was the eternal gardener, the one who speaks and brings forth eternal life. I want you to feel the, the weight of this moment. For Mary, all hope was lost. And in this moment, her whole world is about to change. I love the way that G.K. Chesterton describes this scene. He says, on the third day, the friends of Christ coming at daybreak to the place found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways, they realized the new wonder, but even they hardly realized that the world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. And in a semblance of the gardener, God walked again in the garden, in the cool, not of the evening, but of the dawn. That's exactly what's happening here. Mary is interacting with this stranger. She does not recognize him until the text says in verse 16, until Jesus speaks her name and says, Mary. What a powerful moment for Mary to have. What a moment that's filled with such hope and, and just this newness of life ushered into her heart. And this is an important moment because part of what happened in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis is that as Adam and Eve, as they sinned, they, they realized that they were naked. They were filled with shame, but they were also filled with fear the type of fear that then drove them to hide from God behind some bushes. They go from experiencing complete communion with God, intimacy with God, nearness with God, closeness with God, going on walks with God in the garden to now hiding from God behind some bushes. God at one point even has to ask, where are you? 
See, that's part of the effect of sin is that there is this separation and the distance between God and his creation. And this separation, this barrier that we experience is somewhat of a void in our hearts that what we experience is something that, that we want to so often close the gap, close the distance between us and our creator. And we all do that in different ways. We all try to fill that void. We fill that hole in our hearts with good things and even with bad things. We try to fill it with pleasure, but it doesn't satisfy. We try to fill it with, with money and possessions and relationships and the approval of others and, and success and all of these things that the world has to offer. And yet it never quite satisfies that void. In fact, if I asked you for your story this morning, and if I asked you what part of your story do you wish you could reverse, do you wish you could go back and change, I bet that part of your story stems from trying to fill this void, fill this separation that you experience between your creator. And yet watch what happens here in this garden. This is unbelievable. Jesus is reversing the separation by calling Mary by her name. Immediately, she recognizes him. Immediately, she clings to him. There's closeness, there's acceptance, there's nearness, there's intimacy. And look, that's what you and I yearn for. That's what we desire between our creator is, is the soul satisfying nearness and closeness of being embraced by God himself. And look, the resurrection of Jesus is such a big deal for us as Christians because through his resurrection, that type of nearness and acceptance and intimacy is now possible that Jesus defeated the barrier of our sin, removed it so that now we can be near to God. He is reversing the separation. But this moment here, this moment in the garden is so much bigger than just Jesus and Mary. This moment is about Jesus and you right now. That Jesus walks right into your story. He walks right into my story and he confronts the sin of separation. He confronts that fear that drives us into hiding from God in the same way that Adam and Eve hid from God behind those bushes. But you and I, we don't, we don't hide behind bushes. We hide behind our own sin. We hide behind our own little kingdoms that we prop up. We hide behind our own busyness. And we hide because of our shame, because of our guilt, because of our, our condemnation. And the reality is, is that some are in this room right now and you are still hiding from God. And I just wanna draw your attention to the text here that God through Jesus through his resurrection, is reversing that separation and he is calling you out of hiding right now in this moment by calling you by name. That God through Jesus wants to be near to you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to accept you into his family forever and ever. And look, maybe right now in this moment, you've got some thoughts that are swirling around in your mind. I wonder if you've got some thoughts that say something like this, that I, I don't know if God wants to be near to me right now. I, I don't know if, 
if God really wants to embrace me. I've got way too much sin in my life. I've got way too much baggage. I've got a past that's filled with shame, that's wrecked with guilt. I've done so many things in my life. There's no way God would want to embrace me and accept me and forgive me. And look, if I could just push back on that for a moment, I just wanna ask you the question, do you think that God is surprised by your sin? Do you think that Jesus did not know what kind of sinner you would be before he went to the cross? That as if, as if he knew that, it would have kept him from the cross? No, Jesus knew exactly what kind of sinner you would have been, what kind of sinner that you are, what kind of sinner that I am. And that drove him to the cross because he wants to remove that separation. He wants to remove all that shame and all that guilt so that you can be close and near to God and be forgiven. Word of God declares that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, he died for us. While we were a mess, the worst version of ourselves, that's when Jesus died in your place. And this type of closeness with God is possible because Jesus defeated our sin and he defeated the grave. This is an unbelievable moment for Mary. You can imagine before seeing Jesus, the type of hopelessness that filled her heart, the the type of disheartened thoughts that were running through her mind until she sees Jesus and recognizes him. And everything changed for Mary, for her fear was converted into hope. Dismay changed into joy, weeping into dancing, death into life. As Mary was clutching onto Jesus, who was no longer dead, but alive, he says something to Mary that is the catalyst of eternal hope. In verse 17, Jesus tells her, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus tells Mary that God is her God and that his father is her father. What's Jesus doing here in this moment? Jesus is replacing her hopelessness from a moment ago and is trying to fill her heart with eternal hope. That Jesus is trying to bring a type of assurance to her heart, reminding her that God is her father and that Jesus belongs to her forever. What a message of hope that is. And at this point, you have to wonder how, how is that possible? How can, how can Jesus receive Mary like that? Mary is a sinner. How can Jesus receive any of us? We are all sinners. Well, the reality is, is that just a few days before this scene, we know that Jesus, the son of God, was hanging on a cross and he experienced everything that you and I should have experienced on that cross. That Jesus experienced the condemnation we deserved. He experienced the kind of guilt that we deserved. He absorbed the wrath of God that should have been poured out on us and he experienced it in complete fullness. So there is no more wrath left for those who are in Christ Jesus. That Jesus, Jesus on the cross experienced every ounce of hell so that you and I would never have to. At Jesus on the cross, he defeated sin. 
But not only that, he defeated our enemy, Satan himself, something that was actually predicted back in the first garden in Genesis 3. God promised that there would be a descendant of Eve that would eventually crush the head of the serpent, Satan himself. And Jesus did just that through his resurrection. Like this moment is so much bigger than just Jesus and Mary. This moment of the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through this, he is announcing hope, not just for Mary, but he's announcing hope for you today and for every single person in this world. That Jesus's resurrection is an announcement that death could not hold him down, that sin could not bind him, that Satan could not defeat him. And Jesus through his resurrection is declaring to us today that no matter how hopeless your life feels right now, God in his grace can make you new. And it does not matter how marred your life is in sin. It does not matter how filled with shame you feel right now. Does not matter how wrecked with guilt and how hopeless you feel. Through the resurrection of Jesus, God is declaring by his grace and by his mercy, he can cleanse you, he can forgive you, he can redeem you, he can save you, and he can fill you with everlasting life and hope in him for all of eternity. But grace is enough. Grace is able to reverse your story and to cover you by the blood of Jesus. This is an amazing moment, an amazing moment even for Mary, but this is an amazing moment for you and I. God can reverse our story here today. And we know that to be true because of what we see in verse 18. In verse 18, it's Mary. It's, it's Mary Magdalene who is, who is gifted the news of the resurrection, who's now tasked to go and tell it to the disciples. And this is significant because of Mary's story. Mary was an absolute disaster before Jesus met her. Mary was a demon worshiper. She had seven demons living inside of her before Jesus met her and saved her and redeemed her and set her free and now God is the one who's calling Mary to go and share the good news of the hope of the resurrection to the disciples who then would tell it to the whole world. And the point is this, is that if God can take a former demon worshiper and reverse her story through the resurrection of Jesus, he can reverse your story here today. And so as I close this morning, a question for you is, is what about you today? We know about Mary, but what about your story today? There might be dozens of stories represented in this room right now, but when you boil it down to it, there's really only two. There's the one story who is walking from a garden and into a grave. And then there's another story. There's a story of walking from the grave into the garden of everlasting life with Jesus. See, the reality is, is that there are some who are in this room right now and you are still under the bondage of sin. You are still separated from God. You are still filled with a level of hopelessness because you do not believe in Jesus. 
that you have not given him full access to every area of your life. You have not bent your knee in surrender to King Jesus. And you will hear the message of Easter today and you will walk out of this room. You will go on with your day and the resurrection of Jesus will mean very little to you. But then there are others of us who are in this room. And right now in this moment, you are hearing the voice of God through his word and through his spirit, maybe for the first time. And you are hearing that voice and he is calling you by name. That he's calling you in the same way that Jesus called to Mary and he's calling you to put your faith and trust in Jesus, to give him full access to every area of your life and to surrender to King Jesus, who is our living hope. It doesn't matter how much sin you have in your story, that God can reverse it. God can bring the forgiveness that you need through his grace because Jesus has made a way. That for you to declare your faith upon Jesus, you can say along with Mary in verse 18, I have seen the Lord. Do you see him this morning? Do you hear him calling you out of hiding, calling you out from underneath his wrath and condemnation? He wants to fill you with forgiveness. He wants to fill you with his grace. He wants to make you new. But you've got to believe. You've got to bend your knee and surrender your life and repent of your sins. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I just wonder if there are some in this room who in this very moment, you are hearing the voice of God through his spirit. That you are feeling God move in your hearts, maybe for the first time. And that as you hear the hope that Jesus can provide for you, you are saying in your heart, I want that. I want forgiveness. I want God to make me new. And you're wondering, how can I do that? How is that possible? Well, if that's you right now, I just want to encourage you in the quietness of your own heart, just before you, between you and the Lord, would you declare this to God? Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again to new life, that you conquered my sin, you conquered the enemy, you conquered death, and I receive by faith eternal life through your grace. Do you cry out to God in this moment to receive the free gift of eternal life? God, in this moment, we praise you and we thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead. God, we thank you that Jesus is alive, that he did not remain dead. We thank you that Jesus, that you are on the throne right now and that you have all power and all authority. And God, we surrender our lives to you. We hail you as king and we owe everything to you. We thank you, God, that you made a way when there was no way. We thank you that you are changing us and that you are transforming us into the image of Christ. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.